So, um, at least the part of this sheer was prompted by Noah Siegel, so I'm very glad that he's here. Which is that we have spoken many times uh, about the Sefer Habeninim. And I'll just very briefly mention it in case you missed our discussions about it until now. So, the Gemara tells us that Hashem and Rosh Hashanah opens up three sfarim, three books. The book, I'll explain it right away with the commentary of the Maral, and I think even Rashi is going this way. And maybe the Shlom. Uh, the, the three books are three books of actions. There's the righteous actions, there are the evil actions, and there are the um, par of actions, average actions, uh, undefined actions. Say for Habeinun. Okay? The ones that are in the book of righteous actions are immediately have written next to them L'chaim they're immediately written for life why? that's obvious the action was an action of connection to Hashem it was an action of Chaim so it deserves Chaim mitzvah mitzvah you do an action that connects you to Hashem so you're going to get a greater connection to Hashem the actions that are in the other book on the other side, in the book of Rishoyim, the evil deeds are immediately written for death. And that is because the actions are definitionally non-connectable to Hashem. They are actions of turning away from Hashem, of rejecting Hashem, of violating His will. Not to say that a person can't do tshuva on that. If a person did tshuva, that would be called, you change that action. That would be like take an eraser, erase it from that one book, and then maybe get something into a different book. Depends on what kind of tshuva you do. If you did decent tshuva, might make it into the average book. If you did incredible tshuva, tshuva mi'ahava, where it becomes a zchus, it might even make it into the other book. But that's when you're literally redefining past with your truth. Otherwise, those actions are written for death. And then there's the middle book. Big, fat book. Filled with all the intermediary actions. The nondescript actions that we do. The actions that are not fundamentally acts of service to Hashem. And yet, uh, they are also not definitionally acts of rebelling against Hashem or, or violating against His will. And we said that uh, seemingly most people that are present here have by far and away the biggest stack is in that middle book. And in that middle book, what the Gemara says is if a person during a Sersi Mechuva, nothing is written in yet, they're owned in Vatuluim, could go either way. If a person is Zoha, which we have to understand what that means, how a person is Zoha, how, how does a person merit? Then these actions are written in Lechaim for life. If a person is not Zoha, then they're written in Lemovis. And the reason is, because fundamentally, let's talk about breakfast. The person was eating breakfast. Why eating breakfast? Well, because I'm hungry. I haven't eaten since yesterday lunch. So, at the time that a person is eating kosher food, but he is thinking about the deliciousness of the food and how hungry he is, and he is not thinking about so it means that this food is acting as a distraction. The person is turning away from looking at Hashem, turns down 
towards the food. So that then is act of movus of death. Chaim being definitionally connection to Hashem and lack of connection to Hashem, turning away from Him, getting distracted from your connection to Hashem is mothers, is death. But we mentioned that in many of this form it's written that being that this action is not fundamentally in conflict with Hashem's will, in fact, it could have been a mitzvah. If a person would have intended that by eating this breakfast, I'm going to have energy so that I should be able to serve Hashem throughout the day. And indeed, that is true. A person does need to have energy in order to be able to serve Hashem. And the food is a kosher food. Then it would have been, says the Derek Hashem, a mitzvah just like any other mitzvah in the Torah. So this thing could have been a mitzvah. Is there any source to that person in the fact that they did not eat? No. 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 Um, Unless, again, that's a side point. If he had a nisayon, he had a challenge, that he was starving and he didn't have any money and he was being offered non-kosher food and nonetheless he rejected it. But without that, no. Okay, so he's got kosher food, the kitchen stocked with kosher food. So then, um, it could have been a mitzvah if he had the right intentionality, but he didn't. The whole bowl of cereal? Or just as much as is strictly needed? Good. So, we'll, we'll talk about that. Talk okay. about that. It could have been a mitzvah. You're asking Noah's question. Noah every time wants to clarify this point. How much intentionality is necessary to make a mitzvah? How often? How often? No, I, I mean... What if you truly need three quarters of that ball oh. of cereal? And, but, you're, but you're throwing in that extra quarter just along the way. With okay. the same kavana. Okay. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So like this. So if that extra third or quarter bowl of cereal is still going to make you... Maybe, maybe you could scrape by without it, right? But you'll... You'll be, you, you're not going to get hungry, you're going to be in good energy, you're going to be able to do things properly, then then probably yes. If you're talking about, we always use, if you're having your third Twinkie for breakfast, that's that's a hard one to pull off, right? It's not, uh, not healthy. Okay, so that is... Uh, as far as as far as the as far as the amounts go, uh, Zachariah is right. It does actually have to be necessary for your volunteer. But I, I stress again. So I said most people in this room, right? Um, I, I, I will, we'll talk about it more. Talk about it more. First, let me just lay out the, the basics of what we've spoken about. Then I'll bring it to practical. Okay. Um, and then we said that yeah, you, you have to have intentionality at least in the beginning of the action. And as long as there's not a big hefsek, there's not a hefsek hadas, there's not a shinui mokom, there's not something to take your mind off of this action that you're doing and to hijack it to something else, then this would be a mitzvah. This would have been a mitzvah. But, uh, but currently, the person didn't do that. So we have a fat stack in the safer bainanim of all these actions that we did that could have been mitzvahs. And why am I saying that we all have a fat stack? Because I am of the opinion that most people in present company are not people who are going out for gourmet you know, meals and pampering themselves and going to whatever it is, massage parlors and spa. And, uh, the people that are here are people that wake up most people here wake up for the 6 a.m. learning which already means that you're sleeping probably like the bare minimum necessary to be functioning right and learn davening right and then how much time do you have for breakfast before you're off to you know Gavin to university and you guys and 
your meow or guys to, to their jobs, right? Like, it's uh, wolf down, uh, you know, what, what do you have, a granola bar, right? So, so when you have your granola bar in the morning, right? That's for sure, that's for sure is necessary for your vote to shout. Right? That's a good question. What? What bracha do you make in a girl bar? Been wondering for the last year. Adam. If a person okay. during the year has intention during those mundane actions, are those written in Sefer Tzadikim? Yes, that's an action. That's a mitzvah. That is a mitzvah. So then in Benoni, the only thing that are written down would be the things that are from others. They wouldn't be Tolai. Unless you... No. If you eat it, but you have no intentionality. So then all of those things would be seemingly waiting to be assigned death. Unless, that's what the Gemara says, they're owned in Vatluyim, they're standing and hanging and waiting from Roshan until Yom Kippur. If the person merits, which is I want to talk about, how does one merit? Then they're written in L'chaim. But those are only the actions that you didn't have intention on. That's right. Gotcha. If, but if the person doesn't merit, then they're, then they're automatically written in Lamov. So in the Sefer Tzadikim, there are even actions that were seemingly mundane that you have They're not mitzvahs. mundane, they're mitzvahs. Because you had intention on them. They're mitzvahs. Okay. With 10 days, you can turn around the, the bad fat stack. Oh, so you have an entire fat stack. And during these days, you can turn it around. The entire, the, the whole stack. Well, now remember, I, I want to point this out. It's not, no, it's not retroactive. Which means it's not that it's going to get written in to the book of Tzadikim. It's never going to become that mitzvah again. It's going to stay in the Sefer Abbeinanim. But next to that action, in the Sefer Abbeinanim, will be written in Lechaim. What's the difference? Big difference. Like, like the Pesach itself says, Ve'im Tzadikim. David is talking about Rishoyim, he says, don't write, don't write them in, in the book of Chaim, in the book of life. That's the book of Tzadikim. And with the Tzadikim, don't write them in. And that's the Sefer Benin. It's not the same, it's with. But it's, it's not mamish an action of mitzvah. It's a lower level. But how, but, but, but exactly, otherwise the book of Benin by the end of the Sefer Benin will be empty. That would be ludicrous. That's, that's, that's the kasha that the Mephorshim asks. You can end up with, a, with an empty book. If, if they all either go into this stack or that stack, so this is just a just a placeholder book. It's a real book. It's going to stay in there, okay? You're not getting... Because of that puzzle. It's a real book. It's a real... What, what do you mean? Yeah, we learn everything from this puzzle, yes. Okay. So would it be two two hypothetical scenarios. The first is a mitzvah and it's definitely tasseh. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so the guy who wraps the filling doesn't think about it. It's a mitzvah. That's different. That's a mitzvah. And mitzvahs potentially do not even need intention to work. That's a machlekes on the Gemur and Avrib uh Whether they do or don't, but uh, yeah, we're a little Dying tiny. for sure. This is Darabonin. And you said Darabonin. Nobody paskins mitzvahs there, but no. That's first of all, it's completely natural. No, but that's what you said last year. No, I said that the Bir Halacha makes a compromise and says that when it comes to derises, we should be stringent and assume that you must have intentionality. And if you have no intentionality, you have to redo the mitzvah. For their bonds, we wouldn't make you go back and redo it. Gotcha. Okay. But 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 tefillah requires kavanah. It's a separate point. Look at Nefesh Chaim in the beginning of Shar Beis. He'll walk you through how to relate to the Kavana in Tfilah. Okay. Josh, you got one question left. Okay. Save it. You never know what's going to be. Okay. So, um, so we're talking about now, so, so we understand the crucial importance of being Zolcha during these Assyrian Mechuva, right? If a person knows they have a glaring, big, fat Aveira to do, do you want to go ahead and do it and try to transform with all your might? Absolutely. But otherwise, the Assyrian Mechuva, the thing that the Gemara and Roshan is identifying for us, 
as being the thing that is always the tolu. And if you merit, the whole thing gets written for Chaim. And if not, the whole thing gets written for Mothers. Yes. All those things are written in the Chaim. Everything is being written in retroactively, if that's what you mean. I mean, all the actions are written in as you're doing them throughout the course of the year. They're all written in. During the course of the year, as you do the actions, they get written into the books. Three books. You do a mitzvah, it gets written into the book on the right side. Do an avera, it gets written into the book on the left side. Do a, a par of action, it gets written into the middle book. On Rosh Hashanah, first day, in the book of Tzadikim, Hashem writes next to each action, L'chaim, 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 L'chaim. Into the book of Rishoyim, next to each action, he writes, Lamovus, 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 Lamovus. And the middle book stays unfilled until Yom Kippur. And next to those actions can be written in either, either or. Okay? And that depends if you're Zohar or not. Okay. So, how is one Zohar? So there's a... Um, Take a step back, look at an interesting mitzvah. The mitzvah on Yom Kippur, we have a mitzvah of Inui. Like the Pasuk says, You shall afflict, afflict your nefesh. I don't have a good English word for nefesh. I know. It is usually translated as soul. But life force. Okay. No, no, it's not bad. Not bad. Okay. And you shall afflict your life forces. On the ninth of the month in the evening. Baruch, what day is Yom Kippur? Which date? Hebrew date? Yes. But the Pasuk says, V'nisem as nefsho seichem, B'tisha l'chodesh, ba'erev. On the 9th. You've been, all these years, you've been keeping the wrong date for Yom Kippur? I just do whatever the rabbi tells me. Does that mean we get judged early? I'm talking about afflicting your life force. The mitzvah of fasting. So that is uh, that that. That is a gemara. Yes, but but there's another gemara in uh, the gemara Roshana, which says. There seems to be a contradiction in the Pasuk. It says on the 9th, but then it says Be'erev. Erev means in the evening, meaning already the 10th, because elsewhere it says on the 10th. So you have a contradiction. So the answer is no, no. We meant the night. Means on the 9th, in the night already, which means the 10th. That's why you say on the 9th in the evening. So the Gemara says that you see from here that if you, that there's a mitzvah to eat and drink on the 9th in the evening towards the approach of Yom Kippur and if you do that it's considered to you as if you fasted on the 9th and the 10th it's the same there's going to be a festive meal that your wife will be cooking on Tuesday evening. Serving Tuesday evening. Before Shkia. Very important to be done before sunset. Okay, even a little bit earlier, like Sakhari pointed out. But oh, so that's a great question, Baruch. 
So let's analyze first of all what is what is the the mitzvah is coming from the word You should afflict yourselves. And by telling it to us in an unusual way, we learn from it that you should how do you afflict yourself? By eating the the evening before. Now, some commentators say that actually there's a few different approaches. Either what? It's harder to fast after you had a big meal. Which Rav Tzaddik has a difficult time accepting because he says that we see this not true. What? And we see it's not true from Rashi. Because Rashi says that the actually the reason why Hashem wants you to do it, wants you to fat wants you to have your meal, is so that you'll have energy for the fast. So you'll have you'll you you'll be able to go to your kipper with strength. So the other approach is no because it's it's it helps you in your Yom Kippur of older. So, uh, it, so to speak, it helps you in the fasting. The eating helps you in the fasting. The problem is, says Rav Tzadik, that we know from a couple of Chazal clear as day, like Baruch said, that this is not simply a meal of sustenance where you eat some, you know, some matzahs and uh, and some hummus and a pickle to make sure to stay hydrated. But rather, the Mishnah in Hulin says there were four periods in the year that you can assume that the butcher is, uh, is slaughtering tons and tons of animals. And one of them is Ervium Kipper. Why? Because there's tons of meat that's being slaughtered. Another is a famous Midrash. In fact, one of my daughters was telling me this Midrash. Anur Shoshana, about the the poor Jewish tailor who outbid the uh, local uh, lord's uh, messenger in the to, to purchase the fish. Familiar with that one? And what and what did he find inside the fish? Of course. Right? What else? Oh wait, no, 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 that's, no, that's the wrong story. No, that was the wrong story. No. When the, he was summoned by the nobleman, and the guy was insulted, he said, "You outbid me. I was. I wanted to eat a fancy fish, and you outbid my messenger. I'm going to chop off your head." So the poor Jewish man said, "So what do you want me to do? I'm. I'm, I'm going to be. Uh, my, my king commanded me, and uh, so I. I I'm supposed to be more afraid of you than I'm afraid of him. So he was impressed by that. He let him go. You. You confused it with the other story." Um, which was also said at my, at my Rosh Hashanah table. I see that my girls are going to the same school as your girls want. <laughs> okay. But, um, so, so what do we see from this story, from this Midrash, and from this Mishnah and Chulun, that, the, that uh, the expectation is that people are eating good meat and eating good fish. Expensive, very expensive fish. So the question is, in what way is this considered to be an afflicting of our life force? No? Messed up? Oh, that is difficult. <laughs> so... So we will first start off with with the main avoda of Rosh Hashanah, according to the Kadmonim, the Chochmei Sod, concept of what's called Nisira. 
separation. I spoke about this. Nesir, sawing apart. To saw. Nesir is a saw. So, Nesira is that Adam and Chava, on the first day of their creation, which was one hell, when was Adam and Chava created? The beginning. Okay. Baruch, what was Adam and Chava created? Yeah. And that day also is Gavriel, which day, uh, what title does that day carry? Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. So, on Rosh Hashanah, Adam and Chava were created back to back. When you create it back to back, what happens? If I want to go forward, if the, if the Zacher wants to move forward, which way is the Nekeva being pulled? Backwards. If the Nekeva wants to go forward, which way is the Zacher being pulled? Backwards. It's a tug of war. Okay? And that means Zacher comes, the morale says, from a language of Zechira, of remembrance, alluding to spiritual state, where one is connected to, remembering means you're, you, you're connected to, uh, to abstract concepts, even though they're not in front of you. They're not in front of your nose, but you're still connected to them. That means a person who is, can, is spiritual. And women, says the morale, comes from a language, Noshim comes from a language of? Huh? Uh, not what he says, but I hear it. Interesting. Menashe. Menashe is named after that Yosef Atzadik says, Hashem has caused me to forget my father's house. Menishani. Language of forgetfulness. That's because women tend to be, need to be involved in the physical world as their job. And the physical world causes one to forget their connection upstairs. Okay, now, of course, both men and women have, are made up of two parts, the spiritual and the physical. Just as far as the two of them together, if you were to compartmentalize the tasks, man is more tasked with seeking the spiritual, woman is more tasked with grappling, grappling with and overcoming the physical. That's why Hashem braided her hair for her. Braiding of the hair, braiding and Connotes getting control over the wild um, physicality rep represented by the open hair. But be that as it may, each one of us has these two components in us the Zakhar and then the Kaver, the spiritual and the physical. And there's a tug of war between them. Which way are we going to go? Gonna go after my physical needs and desires, or am I gonna go after my spiritual quest? And so what Hashem did in Rosh Hashanah is He cut them apart, and He took Chava and He brought her around to face other. Which means now they're still facing in, in opposite directions, but they're also looking towards the same point. They have a common point they can look at. That's called an Azer Connecto. She should be a helper to him. But for whatever reasons, that first attempt failed. Failed because they didn't wait for Shabbos. They ate, they, they, they ate prematurely. Uh, they got involved with physicality in a state that they couldn't be involved in. And that's our job to rectify now, what does it mean practically? What are we talking about? What do these words mean of the, of the, of the Kadmonim? Maybe we can understand it a little bit, to some level that we could 
understand the level that it relates to us, that, that, we, could, that we could grow from it. Perhaps an explanation would be there instead of this physical and the spiritual being at odds playing tug of war instead we can separate in the physical between our needs and our desires and although the needs will stay the same which means she's still going to be facing the opposite way. I mean, her needs are there. There are needs to have physical things. There's need to have a house. There's a need to have food. There's a need to be involved in the physical world. But instead of the desire, the the, the goal, the direction that you're looking at being in two opposite points, now the desire is towards the same place. So we decouple the need from the desire. Now that decoupling happens only to the physical part, to the Chava, not to the, not to the Adam. I mean, the spiritual stays unchanged, but the physical is being brought around to where the needs are still going to be filled, but the desire is going to be for the spiritual goal. That is the job on Rosh Hashanah. And the truth is, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of that journey, but the full first nine days of Aser Siyamei Tshuva is, is to work on this point. It's called to bring out the Malchus Shamayim down here in this world. To coordinate Hashem as king means that the physical world down here is Hashem's. It's under His dominion. It's working for Him. It's not something that opposes Him. It's not something that, that takes away from Hashem's service. But rather it is for Him. It belongs to Him. And we work on that for nine days. Now, at the end of these nine days, there's a very big test. You've been cramming for nine days, now there's a test. What's the test? The test is... You're going you're gonna to afflict, you're going to put to the test says of Tzadok, HaKohen. There's two types of fighting against your Yetzirah. Of, of afflicting your nefesh, your animalistic nefesh. There's two ways of fighting against them. One is where you tie them up and you hold them, you hold them in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bear lock or in a headlock, whatever you can get on him. And you keep them in the corner. That's called iskafi. You, 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 you bend them over, you tie them up in the, in the pretzel. And then there's another way that you can fight against them, which is a higher level, which is called your mahafich. You flip him around where he, where he now has to come around and serve the spiritual. The two words uh, of, of uh, what, what one does with the Sahara yeah. is kafia, is from a language of kafuf, and is hafcha, from a language of hafuf, to flip around where it now serves the correct purpose. It says of Tzadok, those are the two afflictions that we afflict our nefesh. That's the Duke, nafsho seichem, your plural, your ne nefeshes. 
the one is going to be on Yom Kippur, we're going to abstain from eating. Even though you want to eat, I'm hungry, I want to eat, I want to drink. No, I'm not going to let you. And Erev Yom Kippur is here is this incredible feast. Eat this L'Shem Shemaim. Eat this because of mitzvah. Is that enough to make it L'Shem Shemaim? Yes. And says Rav Tzadik, in these two days, we can rectify the eating of the entire year. How so? Because all those eatings during the week, when we regular weekday eatings that we just shouldn't have eaten that extra Twinkie or that extra steak or had that martini, third martini or whatever it is, right? All those where you should have bound up your nefesh and held them back, all those are going to be rectified through the fast of Yom Kippur. And all the eatings of the Shabbosim and the Yom Tovim and the Sushal Mitzvah and all those things where you could have where, where really it was appropriate to be eating but you were lacking the intention here you can you can have the, the proper intention and, and, and eat this Suda now for, for all those eatings in terms of practical guide just before you start you think hold on a second practical okay. practical man okay um, seemingly these two are operating with Yira and Ahava I mean the way that one binds up his nefesh and prevents the nefesh from doing is through Yira Yira is paralyzing fear or awe are paralyzing I can't lift the fork right if a person has Pachad, Pachad Yitzchak, right? The trepidation. Then all taiva melts away. And just forget it, I just lost my appetite. Whereas the desire to do for Hashem, the, the, the appreciation of what Hashem is doing for you, the closeness of the Suda, that would come from Ahava. But they're both challenging, they're both difficult. Now why fancy food? Why can't you do this with regular food? So, again, the Kadmonim explained that the fancier the food, first of all, just to break it down, what's the difference in meat and veggies? Yeah? So we know there are different levels of nefesh. Right? Plants have one level of life force in them. Animals have a higher level of life force in them. And therefore, there's more to appreciate and more to elevate. But the truth is, the Rafaelic says that even amongst plants, it depends on what, the more refined the food, the more you can see the will of Hashem in it. Because the will of Hashem is that man should live. So if this is a food, let's say you're eating barley, animal food. So in that, you don't see so much that Hashem wants man to live. But if you're eating, if you're eating a nice, white, fluffy roll, right? You can tell this thing is, uh, this, this is put in here that I should live. So you can see Hashem's hand more in that. You can see Hashem's hand even more feeding a delicious steak or, or an incredible piece of fish, etc., etc. So that is the um, the the job of this suda. And if a person can. From Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur, can merit 
to become someone who has a control over his eating, which is the most basic taiva that a person has is eating. It comes from uh, little organisms, I mean, little bacteria seek food. Yeah, so it's it's something is built like into our cell structure, right? Like th that's how deep the thing goes. A person can learn to separate between their physical needs and their desires, and to tap their physical needs into their spiritual desires. I need to eat so that I can fulfill my spiritual desire of closeness to Hashem. Then you can be Zolcha in the Din. And remember, the two ways you do this. Either restraining eating that shouldn't be happening. That will learn on Yom Kippur. Or learning to channel and have proper intentionality in the eating that should be happening. And that's at this Suda. So this is a very harsh of a Suda. <laughs> Almost to a certain extent, your kipper seems like a piece of cake compared to. <laughs> Somebody got my joke. Uh, compared to the Suda of Ervium Kippur, which is why the Drush comes out incredible. In is it is also a challenge for the Nefesh. But it's vow instead of you. Yeah. What? It's hard to get you letting it out. Right. So then it's going to be an ava by the time you're in the sun. So how do you sort of pull that emotion? We'll, we'll work on the sukkah. Let, let's make it three and keep it. <laughs> Geffen is already talking. Geffen probably has a. Yeah, you, 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 you're, you're doing better than the rest of us, but uh, I, I'm still working Yom Kippur, okay? It's interesting. So, so it, it becomes festive through our intentionality. Back to I mean to say, it's not technically uh, you, you. You don't make the insertion of yalev uh, yavo, right? But and yet it's a festive meal because because because. We can make it fast. I mean, we have a mitzvah to eat something. But you see from the Mishnah and Chulun, and you see from the Midrash, that, that Klaus understood the lesson behind this meal, and lesson is to have a, a, a festive meal, a celebratory meal, to see the love, the, the, the love that Hashem has for us, to express our love for Hashem, that will be a tremendous victory that we can that, that we can uh, that we can have. Yeah, it's probably you know. I mean, you could maybe just loop something, but I wouldn't. Yeah, you don't want to risk coming into your kipper and any uh, sort of. Uh, what? Right. Me, Rashi is right and pshat that you do. Shem wants you to have energy for the for the fast, but there's a lot more going on over here. That you can hear it from the and like I said, that the midrash says that you afflict two. Uh, it's a double affliction of your nefesh, and the, the point is a double affliction is that not only do you subjugate, do you subdue it, but you actually subjugate it and. What's it called? Um, put rains on it and rain it in. No, rain it in. Rain it in and sublimate. Sublimate. Transition from solid to, to gas.
Okay. Um, any questions? What about spelling without proper intention? Which, which secret is that it's, it's a mitzvah. Again, we've spoken about in Der Hashem that some mitzvahs are so weak they don't even... They, 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 it's like a misfire. They, 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 they don't make it up into Olam Abba. They just stay down here in Olam Abba and do some good things for you down here. But yeah, it's like... A big haval, right? It could, it could have been, could have been so much more. That simenei is better than the benei could have been mitzvah that then gets in. I'm not sure. So, Yom Kippur, every Yom Kippur, that's who the, she's not going to take all that big book of daily actions. So even though I am... Now again, I would, I would suggest it shouldn't be in the voter that's happening just at that meal. It's a job that is meant to be starting with Roshana, going all the way through, as much as we can, meaning the more... The more you could, you could be zocha. Again, eating is only an archetype, of course, right? There's there's, uh, there's lots of other actions that we do: exercising, sleeping, helping take care of the family, taking care of the kids, going to work. We mentioned all these incredible opportunities that we have for intentionality to do to be of the Hashem without really changing even the external trappings of our life. It's incredible. And what I'm saying is that we all Ba'etzim living lives already more or less of tzaddikim. And what's missing is the intentionality. The, uh, the Ramchal in fact writes that the whereas the job of the earlier generations was to do the right thing. Imagine you're living, you know, you're living in Europe 800 years ago, whatever. Like, yeah, you have to spend your, you know, your, your you have to choose. Are you gonna get to eat today, or are you gonna, are you gonna, you know, buy a mezuzah? Right. So, there was a challenge to keep kashrus. There was a challenge in America, you know, uh, what is it? Um, 90 years ago, there was a challenge not to work on Shabbos. Right? You're not going to come in on Shabbos and they're going to fire you. And then you're not going to be able to feed your family. That was a real, that was a real thing. So the, the job in those types of situations is to do the right thing. When you're living in times of prosperity, where it's not a big challenge to eat, keep cautious, you, know, you more or less have all the food that you could want. And it's not much of a challenge to keep Shabbos, right? Geffen wrote a very nice letter to his university, dear university, because of my religious, I'm going to be taking this off and this off and this off and this off. But don't worry. Sometimes I'll I'll I'll, I'll come to class, right? Like, and uh, okay, so that's that's the situation that we're in. So so where's the challenge? Challenge is that when you're already doing all these things, which are fundamentally easy to do. Challenge is the intentionality, having that proper kavana, doing it lishma. Doing the Shem Shemayim. That is the challenge that is the challenge of our generation. And that's what we're supposed to be working on during the Seir Shemayim I think. And that, says Rav Tzodik, is the job of not only from the day of Nisira and for the full Seir Shemayim but specifically tested in the Suda of Ervium Kippur. The Suda is the easiest part. They made it a mitzvah. It's an automatic mitzvah. You have to think in the beginning, I'm doing this because of the mitzvah and you're done. 
breakfast in the morning the day before that day is more difficult because it's not a mitzvah. You don't have to think. It's you can't you can't just think it's a mitzvah and be done. And to think like I'm doing this because of the mitzvahs I'm going to do later. It's a whole. Well, the like, way that he explains it is that here this this meal there is a uh, it's an active mitzvah. You right, can't escape it. That's true. That mitzvah itself is a mitzvah. Me eat itself, but for it to transform all of your other eating, that will only happen if you have extra kavana on top of kavana that is just a mitzvah. Exactly. Meaning, uh-huh. there's two things. There's, there's the, the, like we said, in every mitzvah, there's a kavana that Hashem told me to do this thing. Fine, so that you're going to get. You get this one mitzvah. We're talking about using this mitzvah to transform all of your other eatings. For that, you need to have in this mitzvah those intentions that you should have been having. Ahava, and that I'm doing this for the mitzvah of Yom Kippur to help me, meaning probably like Rashi also, and, all, and everything else that comes along with it. The main thing is recognizing the source, recognizing where this food comes from, recognizing Hashem, appreciating what He does for you. Should I buy a steak? I, I am. Okay. Not, not, not having a ton. A little bit. A little bit. But you're gonna feel very heavy when you come into when you come into Yom Kippur. You're gonna feel heavy. You shouldn't. You shouldn't like be sleepy. You shouldn't be heavy. That's like back to. You know, Baruch's uh, question with wine it's the same thing is you shouldn't be drinking wine because that's going to make a person feel tired and be lightheaded and not feel the awe of the of the, of the din Yom Kippur is a, a, with din with the greatest done within the context of the greatest Racham impossible I mean, there's still din, it is still the completion of the judgment, right? But just with the greatest mercy. Okay, wishing everyone a uh, incredible Suda.